Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. If you're new to Thrive, I'm Kevin Maloof, pastor here at both campuses. Uh, today I get to hang out with you guys all day. I love that. And um, usually I travel back and forth between the campuses. Um, and uh, I want to let you know that anything that you're dealing with, you're struggling with, if you want to reach out to a staff member here, and let's say, man, it gets crazy busy after service, and Pastor Mark's, you know, if they're talking to somebody, like, man, I've got to go get lunch. My stomach's killing me. I'm hungry. But you want to reach out. This connection card is your connection here at Thrive. Prayer request, if you're new here, if we get water baptized. Let's say during the worship service you recommitted or committed your life to Jesus, man. This card here is for you. So make sure you don't overlook that card, um, you know, that, that's the, that you got when you came in, that connection card. We want to stay in connection with you. And we're in week six of a verse-by-verse series in the book of Colossians. Now, what we love to do here at Thrive is go through books of the Bible systematically. So we start at the beginning uh, of a book, and we go straight through. And so far, we've done five weeks of Colossians. We're going to um, have a break. So, so next month, we're going to do one called Necessary Sins. We're going to deal with anger and lying and gossip and lust and those things that we all deal with. And then the summer, we're going to jump into a series in the book of 1 Samuel called His Voice. And so we'll look through that. And we love going through books of the Bible. This has been a fun series for me to go through. I've had so much feedback. And one thing you can do... um, Instead of listening to me, the talking bald head up here, is that you can actually, um, if you have Facebook or email, we send out the verses each week for you to read. And you can read before you get here kind of what we're talking about, what we're going through, and you can actually follow along. And so my hope is this, is that when you come in to Thrive on Sundays, you've been reading and said, you know, I wonder what that meant. I had a question about this. And here's what I'm thinking about when I'm writing this. What questions are you asking? And I'm also asking, how do you apply this? And so that's the thoughts we go through a verse-by-verse series. Um, we love it, God, doing that here at Thrive. So go ahead and turn to your copy of God's Word, if you have it with you today, um, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to go through 17 verses. So if you didn't read the Bible this week, you'll get all your Bible reading in today. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Colossians 3, verse 1. We'll get to that in just a second. When I, when I was growing up, I uh, got accepted to college, to you know, four or five major colleges. I went to a very small high school, and it was like a, a rural high school of 350 people, re- yeah, really. Um, our graduating class was 87 folks. And so as, um, as I was at high school, I took all top classes. I, I worked really hard. I was one of the top in my, in my, in my school. But can I, can I be honest with you? I didn't do anything. I didn't study. I showed up to, to and I was not a believer, so don't, don't judge me. I showed up to school high half the time. And I just went through calculus and trigonometry and physics. I, mean, I just did it all. And I, just, it just, I didn't have to study. I, I did nothing. And so when I went to college, it was like a brand new life for me. If you ever, ever, ever went off to college before and ever went away from your parents and, and you go to college, it's like, man, this is awesome. I've got all these people my age around me and there's no parents to tell us what to do. That's what I thought. I was like, this is amazing. Um, that's the problem. I had no parents tell me what to do. Um, one, of my, one of my sweet mates at East Carolina University, he's a college basketball coach now. And me and him were, uh, he, he actually had to leave Emmanuel College, I'm mean, not Emmanuel, but um, East Carolina University as well, because uh, we didn't do anything. When I got to college, I was given this great opportunity. I could have been anything I wanted to be. I could have took classes by anything I wanted to learn. It was the best opportunity in the world my parents gave me, right? It was a new life. It was something for me that was good. But here's the thing. I did not change my mindset from high school to college. I went in with the same mindset. I ain't got to study. 
I'll breeze through it. We literally would do, in 1997 and 8, yes, I am that old, um, we would have Madden football tournaments on PlayStation. We would start at 10 in the morning, and they would finish at 3 o'clock the next morning. 17 hours of Madden, like, because, like, we have tournaments, so, you you know, your friends would play, and you, it was just, I mean, we would pause and eat lunch, and we'd come back. It was wild. I didn't do anything. My GPA after the first two semesters was .9. <laughs> That's how bad it was. I mean, it really was bad because I carried the same mindset to this new environment. I had the same mindset from high school, went to this new environment. And I was like, I'll just come into it. I didn't last but three semesters at ECU. They said, hey, you don't have to come back to ECU ever again. And some of you know the rest of the story um, with that before I, I knew the Lord. Now, we laugh at that and think it's funny, but do you know we do the same thing when we begin to follow Jesus? See, we celebrated last week baptism, and at both campuses we baptized 11 folks, and we, um, that's about 170 over, over uh, three years' time. It's awesome to see that, but here's the thing I see the most that happens. You have the Kevin mindset, the Kevin college mindset. You give your life to Jesus. It's like, man, this is awesome. Jesus gives you a fresh start. You come up, you're excited, and then you go with, you live with the same mindset with a new life. I went to college, had a new life given to me, but I had the same old mindset. And when you're given new life in Jesus, when you trust in Jesus as Savior and he gives you that new life, he, he makes your spirit new again, you've got to change your mindset, you've got to change your actions to match up with the new life that he has given you. And Paul writes this to the Colossians. He didn't use my example, of course, um, but, but he writes this to the Colossians and he shares with this small church in this small city about this situation. As we learned before about the book of Colossians, what's important, there's a couple things you've got to understand as you read it. Paul did not not start this church. So like, for instance, you know, when, when I would go plan a church, or I'd go personally start a church, I would do it. In Florida, I did it. You know, at, at, at Chesterfield, and we came and relaunched here. I kind of was personally involved with it, right? Well, um, imagine somebody heard me preach at Thrive here, and they go start a Thrive campus in Canada. And they're preaching, like, like you're using our sermons, and they're using our stuff, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm coaching them, and I'm emailing them, but the people there have never met me before, right? That's how it was with Paul. The people at Colossae had never met Paul before. Epaphras, what's believed is he heard the gospel at the revival in Ephesus, Acts 19. Epaphras hears the gospel. He goes back to his little hometown of Colossae and he starts a church from nothing. And this church springs up. And as I told you before, Colossae was a small city. This gives us, all gives us hope. Small city, small church, and Paul wrote a letter to him. Because Epaphras, as he, as, he, as he launched that church, trouble began to spring up. There was trouble ahead and trouble behind. So you didn't get that. Um, you don't know modern music. But, but, um, so, so at any rate, uh, you know, there was trouble there. So Paul writes the letter to help Epaphras, his friend, at that church. He writes a letter to him to say, hey, look, man, here's some things that you've got to watch out for. They had false teachers coming up, and the false teachers were, were trying to get, lead them away from Jesus. We've been into a lot of what they were teaching, and so Paul deals with that. And if you look at it, the past couple of chapters, he has helped them kind of see what they were delivered from. Because when you get saved, you, you're delivered from things, right? But you don't stop there. God doesn't save you just to quit a bunch of stuff, Right? He gives you new life so you can engage his mission and start some things. You're delivered from things, but you're delivered for his purpose. You're saved from hell. You're saved from sin. You're saved from those things, but you're saved for a purpose. 
And this is where Paul gets to the point where he starts talking about, you know, quit this and don't do that. Now he says, now here's what you've got to realize about your own life, about the new life that you have. I want you to read what he wrote to the Colossians 2,000 years ago. Small church, small town. But he had a heart for these people that Epaphras started this church with. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the reality of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. When you give your life to Jesus, change your focus. You have a new life, change your sights. That's the first thing he says. This says this, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ. Can I tell you something? Before you accept Jesus, you're trespassing. Why don't you think about something? Because he says here, your, your life is hidden in Christ, right? Before you know Jesus, you're living a life God never intended you to live. Think about my life. Before I knew Jesus, I was out doing everything under the sun, busted by cops, doing drugs, drinking. Do you think God ever wanted me to live that life? It's like, man, when you, I want you, Kevin, when, you know, to do that. No, I was actually, I was living a life I wasn't supposed to be living. I was a place, a place that I wasn't supposed to be. And when the Lord saved me, I then found the life that he actually had for me and the purpose he had for me. You're actually trespassing and living a life that you're not supposed to live when you don't know Jesus. Verse 4 says, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. That's future tense. When Jesus comes back, you're going to share in glory with him when he comes again, returns again. Verse 5 says so, and the word so is important because it connects. Watch this. He says so, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. He says, don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world. But look at verse 8. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. And look at verse 9. Do not lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Realize in that day and time too, the culture of the church, they would lie to each other to protect themselves. There was no integrity. And Paul is saying, you used to live this way. You used to be angry and slander and mean and hurting others. Now, rid yourself of those things and change your behaviors to live for what Jesus has for you. Just like that's how I used to live before I knew the Lord. He encourages them to get rid of vices and embrace virtues. Look at verse 10. Put on your new nature, the new life. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. Gentile, okay, if you know what a Gentile is, that's a non-Jewish person. If you're, if you're non-Jewish, guess what you are? A Gentile, yes, that's, that's what you are. Um, circumcised or uncircumcised, um, I'll, I'll let you Google that and look it up. I'm not going to talk about it today. Um, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. He's referencing believers. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's what Christianity looks like. Kindness, tenderheartedness, mercy, and patience. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, what if our marriages and our relationships begin to live like that? 
how much better would things look if we just embraced those virtues alone? It's, it's, it's amazing if you just took those alone. Clothe yourself. Make allowance for each other's faults. This is great relationship stuff here because um, you'll need to make allowance uh, for your spouse's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Forgive who? Anyone who offends you. That's not what the world teaches. The world teaches you get revenge on them, take them out. But the, the Lord says to forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace uh, that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. And, and, and that's beautiful, isn't it? You're getting to some stuff. This is what Christianity is. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule and live and reign in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness Fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Uh, Paul is doing something here. Remember, he's speaking to a small church in a small town, right? So you read it and you're like, oh, he's just writing some random letter that's just, just kind of randomly out there. There was a small church, a small town that was facing issues. And some of the issues that arise in any group that gets together, whether it be church or not church, or a sports team, whatever it is, you have people who treat each other badly. I'd hate to say that never happens at church. I'd love to say there's never bitterness or anger or unforgiveness or, or people at church would never do that. But that's what happens even in, in groups where people follow Jesus. And so Paul is writing to them saying, look, the world wants what you have. But when they come to what you have, they see you act just like them. People are like, well, you're using the world's music. I remember when we first started doing contemporary, using the world's music. Well, you have the world's attitude. <laughs> Bitterness, rage, anger, those things should not exist. I remember when I first uh, gave my life to Jesus and I was at my first church business meeting. I'm surprised I even followed Jesus after that. If you've never been to one, don't go. Tell them you, tell them you can't go. Don't lie to them. Just tell them you can't go. Find something to do. Um, I went I saw people at church hollering at each other, screaming at each other. And I'm like, Wow. I mean, these are the same people doing this right here during worship. And now they're like, ah, ah, rage, anger, malice, bitter. And so Paul is telling them to, to, to push away vices and embrace the virtues of the Christian faith. Because people, listen, the biggest thing people want when, when they come to a, to a body of believers is they want to make sure it's a safe place they can grow in the Lord. They want to make sure people will treat them right. Um, most churches do kind of similar music, similar preaching, but that's what they want. And Paul was trying to tell the church at Colossae, man, you guys have got to make sure that your culture looks good enough and, and, and it's, it's, it's uh, filled with the Lord enough that people want to be a part of that. I mean, think about this here. New life. That, that's, that's really what we have in Jesus, right? Now, if you've been saved 50 years, you still have new life in Christ. The world wants a new start. Last week, was hit, I hit the reset button. That was our, our, our theme for baptism. People want a new start. That's why you see people nipping and tucking and cutting and trimming and everything else in this world. Because they want to, to be made new again. The heart of mankind hungers for newness. 
They have lotions, pills, coffees, creams. I mean, you look for it. We're all trying to find something new. These people see psychics. They, they, you know, they, 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 they meditate and do different things because they want to experience this new life that we have. And friends, we have the answer what the world wants. It's new life in Jesus. And what's beautiful is when you've been given new life, you have the secret of what everybody else is looking for. Have you ever been somewhere, and hopefully you have, hopefully this has been your testimony, where, where you've been somewhere and people say, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something different about you. Here, really? Have you ever, that is when people are sensing, this person has something I don't have. When my friend Eric Klaus got saved in, in 1998, and gave his life to Jesus. You know, he was my big uh, you know, friend who did drugs and did drink and all that, all that stupid stuff. Um, when he gave his life to Jesus, there was a sparkle in his eye. He acted different. He talked different. He carried himself different. And I knew there was something about him that was different. And do you know that I wanted what he had? I didn't know what it was. I didn't, want, I didn't want religion, but I wanted new life. He said, Jesus gave me new life. I said, okay, well, I'm willing to try Jesus. Because I can see that in you. And that's what the world hungers for, for in us. But if we continue, just like I did at college, if we live the same old way we did in the new, in the new life, people will never want what we have. Because you'll say, I believe in Jesus, I serve Jesus, but let's see no difference in us. And that's why the new life requires new actions. The new life requires new actions from us. And here's the big idea today that you, I want you to take home with you. Is that new life should produce new actions. New life should produce new actions. So how do we do this, guys? How do we do this? Here's the first point today. I will get you out in time to eat lunch before people beat you to the buffet, okay? <laughs> the first one is this. Set. Write in your notes, set. And Paul gives us insight into how do we activate this new life? How do we live this new life out? And in Colossians 3, 1, the Apostle Paul gives us the understanding. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, if today you have surrendered your life to Jesus and you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, if you're a follower of him, then here's what you do. He says, since, here's what you do. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. You got to realize something. There are two worlds that exist. There's a world you see and the world you don't see. You know there's a supernatural world you don't see around you. And many times when we give our life to Jesus, we have the same old actions. We don't realize that Jesus is on the throne. He's at the right hand of God and that he rules and reigns. As we live life kind of anxious and nervous and don't know what to do. And we forget that Jesus rules and reigns. And Paul is saying this, you've got to set your sights on the truth and the reality that Jesus rules and reigns in heaven. Set. That word set there um, is an interesting word. It's the word seek that literally has this connotation of meaning you are very focused on one thing and you're going after that one thing. Very focused after one thing and you're going after that one thing. I mean, no matter where you go, you're looking at that one thing. Set. Set. I'm a, my eyes are set on this car no matter what I do. Set. 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 Um, let, me, let me give you guys an example. Um, I do play PlayStation 4, so don't judge me. I'm not as spiritual as, as the other pastors you've had in your life. 
And when I'm playing Madden or I'm playing NBA 2K and I'm in the fourth quarter and time's running down and I want to win that game, my wife's like, honey, it's the playoffs. Maybe she's, maybe there's some other honey she wants to talk to, right? (laughs) Maybe she's talking to the dog. Honey, I need your help. I'm like, and, and here's the answer. I go, baby, give me one second. It's the fourth quarter. This is the playoffs. I've worked my whole season for this, please. Because you know what? I am set on what's happening right in front of me. Now, I'm a very good husband. I do pause the game and I go out and help her whatever she needs because um, I don't want to pay, pay the price for that, right? I'm a smart husband, right? <laughs> so I'm set where I'm like, man, I don't want to, I can't, I've got to, I've got And that's the same way we should be with the realities of heaven. We're focused on it. Because you'll have tons of distractions around you. You have so many, you have sickness, you have things that set you back, you have job loss, you have things that happen around you that try to vie for your attention. And Paul gives us a great insight. He says, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Set. Be so focused that when something else comes at you, you're like, hold on, I'm focused. Hold on. I mean, that's what I, that's my, my, my wife, she says, don't ever say hold on to me. She hates it. I say hold on. She hates it. It's like, don't you, don't, don't say hold on. Say anything else. Because I just like, hold on, hold on. That's, I don't, but but you've got to tell the world that. When they come at you, set your sights on the reality of heaven. Right now in your life, what's happening that's causing fear, anxiety, and doubt in your life? What is it going on in your life? Think about it. You know what the Apostle Paul said to you? Set your sights on the reality of heaven. Jesus is on the throne. He's at the right hand of God. He's not going anywhere. He's still in control. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to be afraid. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Here's the second point. Set is the first one. The second one, now you need to hear me out. Do not zone out because this could be bad. The second point is kill. Kill. Listen, don't kill people. You're going to kill something else. So he, listen to me, because you guys will leave and be like, hey, Pastor kid said kill people. And I didn't say that. Uh, Colossians 3, 5. Paul says, set your sights. The second action he gives is to, he says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. And I like the fact that he says lurking within you and it means singular you. Because everybody in this church has something inside of them that when you got saved, you gave your life to Jesus and it was so good, it was so awesome, and you got saved, you still have some things creep up, don't you? Aren't there some desires that begin to creep up? You're like, I mean, when I first got saved, like everything was gone. It was awesome for about three weeks. (laughs) I was like, man, this is great. I have no, I mean, no desire to smoke a cigarette. I have no desire to cuss people out. I'm going to fight anybody. I just, man, this is awesome. About three weeks later, I'm like, ooh, where did that desire come from? That reminds me of the old me. Ooh, where, where did that come from? I'm telling you what I did when I first gave my life to Jesus. And I'm not, I'm not saying everybody needs to do this. And this is, you know, a command for everybody. So please hear me out. But I, I had to put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within me. And I was so, because I'm a musician, I was so attached to, to music that, was in, that influenced me. I had to burn all my CDs. I did because when I first got saved, I could not continue to listen to Tool and listen to No Effects and Anti Flag and all these people who hated Jesus. I just couldn't do it. I mean, I listened to some really tough stuff. They hated Jesus. And I had to burn and get rid of that because that stuff would bring up anger in me, it would bring up desires in me. 
when I first gave my life to Jesus, I didn't play a video game for four years. Didn't touch one. You know why? Because I didn't know how to control myself with it. I'd play for hours. Now I don't have that problem. I don't care. You know, if, if, if I get 15, 20 minutes, I'm like, man, this is I mean, it's three hours of this thing. But I had to take a time in my life to put to death things. And as you grow in the Lord, you'll sense things lurking in you. You're like, why did I just treat my wife like that? Why did I just say that? Why did I just think that? And listen, you've got to put to death those things. God's not going to do that for you. There's some things you have to do and you've got to put action to. Um, have you ever watched the movie where the hero has the villain and he's, and like, he's got him in the middle of the movie and he's laying right there and like the hero can like literally take him out right there. You seen those movies? And you're looking at him like, man, take him out. Take out the, the evil guy. Do it right now. Yeah. And then the, the hero, what, what, what does the hero do? He lets him go. You're like, oh, no. And then what happens? Every movie, the, the villain kills somebody that the hero loves. <laughs> and what are you thinking? If the hero would have killed the villain, that never would have happened. If he just would have taken him out halfway through the movie, that never would have happened. Could that be also be true of our life? There's things the Lord is saying put to death that we're like, oh, no, I'm not just, I just leave it laying around. That's cool. And then later on, it hurts your life. It hurts your job. It hurts your marriage. It hurts your relationships. It hurts something in your life where you left that thing there. And say, I don't know what that is for you. Every one of us are so different. Every one of us struggle with something differently. And let me tell you today, if you're struggling with something today and you're struggling with something major, can I tell you you're not alone? Don't ever come to church and think that everybody else around you has it, has it all, all together. I don't care how much they smile, I don't care how big their Bible is, I don't care how big their tithe check is. We all struggle in church. We all struggle. So this message is for all of us. What is it in your life that you have got to put to death? Paul says, set your sights on the reality of heaven. He, the second action he gives for the new life, he says, kill or put to death those things. That villain that's, that's hurting you. And John Piper said this, he said, kill sin or sin will kill you. I know sin's not popular in churches now. You can't use that word anymore. But, but kill sin or sin will kill you. Take it out. And here's the third action Paul gives for our new life. New life in Christ. It's clothe. Set, kill, clothe. Set, kill, clothe. Colossians 3.12 says this. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Watch this. You must... Clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourselves. Uh, if you read the scriptures, the same word in Ephesians that means put on the armor of God is the same word here, clothe. Now, what does clothing do for you? Clothing covers you, right? It just keeps you warm in, in, in cold weather. Clothing also gives you an identity. When you go to other countries, they have different styles of clothes they wear, don't they? And you can actually recognize someone from another country if they're wearing the clothes from that country, can't you? Right? It's somebody from India that comes in and has the, the, the beautiful Indian garb. You would know, hey, they're probably from, from India or from that area, from somebody from the Middle East. Somebody that, if somebody comes in with a kilt on, <laughs> it's not a dress, it's a kilt, you'd be like, hey, they're from Scotland, they're from Ireland, they're, they're from that area that gives them identity. See, we have clothes as believers. And our clothes aren't physical things we wear. It's kindness, it's tenderheartedness, it's gentleness, it's patience, it's meekness. And if you're like me, you're not naturally born with that. Some people are naturally that way, right? Like my grandma was naturally that way. I was not naturally that way. 
So Jesus has to help me with that. I have to clothe myself with this new life that Jesus gives me, this, this new attitude. And, and so here's what I do every day. I ask the Lord to help me with my new life to have new attitudes that reflect it. And, and here's my one prayer to let you guys into my life. I want those closest to me to love me the most and see Jesus in me the most. Because isn't it funny, like, you can fool everybody in the world, but you can't fool those closest to you. I want my wife and my family, the staff that are around me, to see those things growing in me. I want them to see me growing in Christ's likeness. Clothe yourself with these things. Set your sights, put to death those things lurking, and then clothe. See, Jesus has given you new life. It's beautiful. Jesus is not a self-help guru. He's not giving you seven easy steps to make yourself better. Do you understand that when you gave your life to him, you, you literally, you died just like him and then you had new life in him? The old you's dead. When I look at those pictures of Kevin, when I, when I clean my parents' house out, I didn't recognize the guy that I used to see. And God created a whole new person by the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's a story, I'm going to close with this story. Lindsey Clegg had a, had a warehouse that he was selling. And he had a man come in that, that wanted to buy it. And Clegg really wanted to sell this property. It was a real dilapidated warehouse. And, you know, the, the windows were broken. And there was grime on the side of it. And the roof was caved in at certain places. And so Clegg walked around. He said, hey, here's what we'll do for you before you buy it. We'll fix the windows. We'll, we'll, we'll patch up the roof. We'll make sure we clean this stuff. He was trying to really sell this property. And the, and the guy buying the property said something that was amazing. He said, don't worry about that. When I buy this site, I'm destroying the building. I'm going to build a, I said, he said, I'm going to build a whole new building. He said, I don't want the building. I want the site. I don't want the building. Tear it. We're going to tear it down. I want the site so I can build something brand new on it. That's what the Lord Jesus wants. Because you're like, Jesus, I got broken windows. I got like a patch in my roof. You know, Jesus, I'm just, oh man, I'm so sorry. He's like, don't worry. I don't, I'm going to give you a whole new life. You'll be a whole new person. And the Bible says that we are new creations in Christ. And since you have been raised to life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Put to death those sinful, earthly things lurking within you, hiding there. And clothe yourselves by the power of the Holy Spirit with tender mercy, with loving patience, with kind heartedness, so the world can see the new life that they want. I, I did not know what I wanted. I did not know what I needed until I saw it, my friend Eric. And I saw it in his eyes. And I said, I don't know what you have, but I want it. I didn't want church. I didn't want religion. I didn't want all that stuff. I wanted a new life. And Jesus was the answer to new life. Friends, as we leave here today, you're going to encounter people this week that need new life. You may be here today. You may say, you know what? I've just been kind of believing in religion. I never knew that I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I never knew that Jesus wanted to give me a whole new life. Today, you have the opportunity, if you've never done that, to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and have a whole new life. He doesn't want to repair your building. He wants to destroy it and make a whole new person out of you. That years to come, you won't recognize that person you used to be. That's the beauty of the gospel. He makes all things new. Let me pray for you this morning. If you will bow your head and close your eyes in here. That's just so you can focus because I'm, you know, I can't focus looking around. I got ADD so I have to even close my eyes too. Um, 
that just helps you do that. But today, maybe you're sitting in here and you're saying, man, I hear what you're saying and, and, and you're a follower of Jesus and you love the Lord Jesus, but you're saying, Kevin, I, um, I really have a hard time with these things. I have some things lurking in me I need, I need to put to death. I know that I really need the Lord to help me to clothe myself with the virtues of the gospel, tenderheartedness and, and patience and mercy. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, Kevin, I am just surrounded by so much in my life right now. I'm going through job issues, family issues, health issues. I've got so much around me and I begin to look at the issues instead of keeping my eyes on Jesus. And that he's on the throne. And would you pray for me? Today, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're saying, man, I just need some prayer. Um, I need help with these things that you preached about today because I need the Lord to do this in me. Would you pray for me? Just lift your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. Amen. Set your sights. Maybe it's killing some things lurking in you or maybe it's even needing help clothing yourself with the virtues of the gospel. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, in Jesus' name. We know that new life produces new actions. Lord, help us today to set our sights on the realities of heaven. Help us not to look at all the things around us, but to understand that Jesus is still on the throne. He's at the right, at your right hand. And that, Lord, he reigns and rules. Father, help us to understand that today, God. God, I pray for those in here today who know there's some things lurking in them that keep popping up, keep popping up, and they know that you need to deal with that and help them deal with that. Help them today to put to death the things that are lurking in them. And I pray finally, Lord, would, would you clothe us today, whoever needs it in here, clothe us with the virtues of the gospel, that the world may see the new life that you've given us. They may see tenderheartedness. They may see loving kindness. They may see mercy. They may see patience. And Father, I pray in the in the name of Jesus, that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would help us, Lord, to live out the virtues of the gospel in this place. God, I ask for that. I want to ask one more thing this morning. If you're sitting here today, and I asked you the question, if you died today, do you know whether you go to heaven or hell? Do you know that you're a follower of the Lord Jesus? Is it well with your soul? If today you don't, you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you gave your life to Jesus one time and you walked away from him, you want to re recommit your life to him, repent of your sins and turn to him again, say, man, I want to follow the Lord Jesus with all of my heart. If you've come here today and you want to receive new life from Jesus and give your life to the Lord Jesus and have a whole new start and a whole new life, if you want to hit that reset button today, I want you just to lift your hand and say, pray for me, Kevin. That's me. I came to thrive today for me. Amen. Amen. Anybody else, man? This is awesome. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. Anybody else? Amen. 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 Right where you're sitting, here's how you get a new start with the Lord. You're going you're gonna to confess the Lord as your Savior this morning. I'm going to lead you on how to do that. It's called, uh, it's, called the, it's called the sinner's prayer, but it's just a confessing to the Lord. And once you do that, the Lord comes to live in your heart. The Holy Spirit regenerates your spirit and you're made new again. And here's as simple as this. If you raised your hand today, I want you to, to just say this and pray this to the Lord. Say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit I don't have it all together. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross 
and rose again on the third day. I believe that he's washed away my sins. I believe that Jesus is Lord. And today, I make the bold confession that Jesus is my personal Lord and my personal Savior. And it's in your name I pray.